Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. To my bed crimers, hi, how are you? I hope you're having a wonderful day. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Thank you for checking out my channel. All I ask is that after listening to and or watching the video, if you find you enjoyed it, learned something, do me a favor, smash the like button, and please consider subscribing. And if you want to help me survive on these harsh YouTube streets, please consider a membership or a Patreon membership. I keep the price low at $1.99 because I know money is tight. With all that out of the way, let's get started. We've met the bad players in this crime. The Zigfredo Garcias, Luis Rivera, Katie Magbanoa, Charlie Adelson, Donna Adelson, perhaps Wendy and Harvey Adelson as well, although they haven't been charged with any crime. Well, today I want to talk about the victim, Danny Markell. Danny's mother, Ruth, said she doesn't want her son only known as, quote, the slain law professor. So allow me to share all that I've learned about the human being Daniel Eric Markell. By the way, I think Danny went by Danny instead of Dan or Daniel because it was really him inserting the beginning letter of his middle name, Eric, as in Dan E. Period, Markell. When he was studying at Harvard, he wrote for the student newspaper, The Crimson. To appear more adult-like and more professional to his readers, Danny published pieces under the byline, Dan E. Period, Markell. That's why I think that. It's sort of Danny Markell's little play on words, if you will. To talk about Danny, we have to sort of talk about his parents a little bit. So Phil and Ruth Markell met at summer camp in 1963 while on break from college. Both Phil and Ruth had been born in Montreal, to European immigrants. Ruth and Phil got married in 1966, and Danny's sister Shelley was born in 69. Danny was born in October of 1972, and he was 10 pounds at birth. Because Ruth's father died of a sudden heart attack when she was just nine years old, her mother Helen's younger brother Lazar Lapidus took over as Ruth's father figure. Lazar had survived the Holocaust by being hidden by a Catholic family in Lithuania for two years. His future wife, Rachel, had survived a Nazi concentration camp, and it was from Rachel that the two-carat diamond ring Danny offered to Wendy when they were engaged came into the picture. However, Wendy ended up wearing her maternal grandmother's wedding ring instead of the Markel ring, which is why when she divorced Danny, Danny wanted the very meaningful family heirloom back. And by the way, according to the Markels, Wendy still has the two-carat diamond ring. I'm about ready to start a change.org campaign to humiliate Wendy Adelson into giving the Markels the ring back. Right is right. Now, little Shelley and Danny formed deep attachments to their grandma, Bubby Helen. Bubby is Yiddish for grandmother, 
and to their great uncle, Lazar, and his wife, Rachel. In fact, Danny picked up a lot of Yiddish terms from his bubby Helen, things like the saying, Zee a mensch, which means that no matter what occupation or career Danny and Shelley ultimately picked, it was more important that each of them become a decent and thoughtful human being full of integrity. Now, even though Ruth and Phil Markell grew up in traditional kosher homes, they decided not to adhere to such strict dietary rules with their own kids. Markells did hold Shabbat dinners on Friday nights, but they didn't often attend synagogue. Instead, Phil and Ruth took their kids to their country cottage in a small town called Saint-Sauveur. Despite not following all the Jewish rituals, Ruth and Phil believed in the state of Israel as a nation, and each summer the Markels would spend several weeks in Israel. This is how Danny came to cherish the country so much. Now, right from the start, Danny, as a child, exhibited great curiosity. Phil taught Danny to ski, and when Danny was finally able to ski, not stationed as a tot between Phil's legs, Danny noticed an opening in the fence at the bottom of the slope. Instead of stopping at the fence, Danny decides to investigate. So he skis straight through the hole. He ends up down the hill on an adjacent property. That was the type of thing that Danny Markell would do as a child. He always wanted to see what was around every corner. Danny attended a nursery school that was run by a local synagogue. And when he was about four years old, his teacher suddenly noticed him missing from the classroom. After a very panicked 20-minute search, the teacher finds Danny in deep conversation with the rabbi. Danny wasn't necessarily a rule follower. If he wanted to go somewhere or speak to someone, his curiosity drew him to break rules. In 1978, Danny and his family moved to Toronto. By then, Danny was five, and his favorite pastime was reading comic books. When he got a little older, he ditched the comic books for literature, and he spent many hours at the local library. And that's where his love of books was really born. Danny's older sister, Shelley, spent a lot of time teaching Danny, and he respected her. He saw her as a guide, as an authority. But Danny wasn't just a bookworm. He also liked to play tennis, baseball, played ice hockey, he skated, he skied, and apparently he loved to dance. And it sounds like he could bust moves almost as well as Michael Jackson. Danny also enjoyed performing on stage in plays. He had zero stage fright. Now, at age 11, he got a job at a local bakery, and one of his assigned tasks was tying a red string around boxed orders. Now, at first, he couldn't tie the bow the way the owner wanted him to. The owner even told young Danny that if he didn't master the bow, then he was going to lose the job. So Danny decides to take dozens of boxes home that night, and he practiced until he got the bow just right, so he didn't lose the job. Danny also loved board games, and he even memorized the 
2,400 cards in the Trivial Pursuit box so that he could win against everyone. When Danny went to Hebrew school, he fell in love with the religious services and the community that it offered. He even thought about becoming a rabbi for a split second. It was in Hebrew school that Danny met Marnie. She was a cute blonde who sat behind him in second grade. Danny was totally smitten, and his romance with Marnie lasted into his teenage years. So Marnie was really his first love. Now, when Danny was 16, he spent an entire summer in Israel, completely on his own. But when Danny was 17, his entire world was rocked. That's when he received news that Marnie, who, although she wasn't still dating him, was still very close to him, the news said that Marnie had been on a beach in Tel Aviv with a tour group, and when Marnie put her towel down on the sand, she unfortunately placed it exactly where a Hamas operative had just planted a pipe bomb. The bomb exploded, leaving Marnie to suffer disfigurement and fatal injuries. Danny suddenly learned how fleeting life can be. Personally, I find it shocking that both Danny and Marnie died prematurely at the hands of others. Like, what are the odds of that? And I can't help wondering that if fate had been kinder to them, would Danny have ended up with Marnie? Let's say Marnie didn't die on a beach in Tel Aviv. Would she and Danny have eventually gotten together? And would Danny have been able to avoid meeting Wendy Adelson and her brother Charlie and her mother Donna and her father Harvey? Everyone has said how brilliant Danny was, and I think you can see that when you see things like him memorizing 2,400 cards in the Trivial Pursuit box. Like, who would even think of doing that? And he was able to pull it off. And his curiosity in Hebrew school, and then he goes to Israel, and he falls in love with the country and the culture and the religious services. I mean, he was really more religious than his parents were. So much was lost on the day that Danny Markell died. I hope this helps add some color to the portrait that you have of Danny Markell, because again, he wasn't just a slain professor. He was a human being. He had family. He had parents who loved him, who poured so much into him. And all of that was lost on July 18th of 2014. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories.